Chapter 17 My daughter is missing. I can't find her. Charmaine Hunter grabbed me as I walked in the door Wednesday morning. You've got to find her. You've got to. I didn't want to tell her her dipshit daughter spent the night in one of the worst situations possible, at Mary Margaret's home with her Irish Catholic mother, Bridget Cleary. If I knew Bridget Cleary, Sarah was probably forced to learn the rosary after being caught sneaking a cigarette behind the garage. One night at Bridget's could be enough to knock anyone off their hard-earned sobriety. I pulled Charmaine's red claws from my shirt sleeves. As I've told you before, I'm done with the Hawksworth family. I don't know what the hell is going on between you and your ex-husband, but if your daughter is avoiding you both, there's probably a good reason. Maybe if your ex had been a little more honest with me when this mess started, it could have been a little more accommodating. We all know Chase is a bastard. He stole that company from me, and now he's running into the goddamn ground. Yeah, I found that out when he wrote me a check on a closed account. Let me ask you this. Would he hurt his own daughter? From the corner of my eye, I saw Sarah peeking out from the vault door, her face plastered with the same look of terror. No, no, he'd never hurt Sarah. So who would? It could be anyone. We all know Sarah associates with less than honorable people. She told me about that murder case. If anyone's after her, it's probably those drug dealers. I tried to herd her toward the door. Why don't you just go talk to the police? I can't. We can't. Why not? There's... I, I can't tell you. That's what I thought. Thanks for stopping by. You're making a mistake, Mr. Fitzhugh. A very big mistake. Am I? She harumphed and shook back her bottle blonde hair. She jerked the office door open, rattling the bell at the top, and stomped out. She gone? Sarah stepped cautiously from behind the teller counter. She's gone. I went back to my desk and turned on my laptop. Come here, you two. Look at this. Mary Margaret and Sarah gathered behind my chair as the computer came to life. With a few clicks, I pulled up the feed to the webcam I had set up at Sarah's front door. While Sarah and Ambrosi were talking to Barnes, I'd gotten Sarah's house key and her permission to spend yesterday afternoon rigging her apartment in the flats. After I was done, just to be sure, I had a locksmith come by, too, to install new locks. Anybody comes to your door, we can see them. More importantly, we have a record they were there. On the screen, the tiny camera hanging directly above the doorframe gave us a shot of the welcome mat and a limited view of the hallway outside her front door. Inside her apartment, two more cameras hung at the top of her living room windows, another above her bedroom window. To, co to cover my own ass, I had a voice-activated recorder tacked to the back of her headboard. If she was going to call anybody who could blow this whole case for me, I was going to know about it, even if I wasn't in the next room. My landlord let you do that? Bastard wouldn't even let me paint the walls. Wait, look. Mary Margaret pointed at the screen. As we watched, Charmaine walked up to the front door and pounded. The camera only gave us a view of the top of her head, but the blonde hair filling the screen was enough to ID her. Sarah, it's your mother. Let me in. Sarah stared at the screen, dumbfounded. Charmaine waited for a moment, then grasped the doorknob and shook it angrily. Cursing, she stopped and pulled out her phone. Back in the vault, Sarah's cell began to ring. Should I get that? That's up to you. They may just tell her where you are. How badly do you need to get in touch with her? I don't. I don't want to speak to that bitch at all. As we watched, Charmaine ended the call and stuffed her cell phone in her purse. 
After everything I've done for you, how dare you ignore me? I swear to God, little girl, when I find you, your ass is mine. Mary Margaret and I stared at Sarah as Charmaine stomped out of the frame. See what I mean? Between her and Big Chase, I'm screwed. So what exactly is the story? Is this tied to your relationship with McComber? Sarah sank into the chair in front of my desk. Big Chase hated the idea I was seeing Steve. Charmaine wasn't real happy either. Are you still seeing him? I talked to Jimmy Blue. He told me about the night Steve hit you. Sarah shook her head. Not anymore. Not since then. But Big Chase, Dad, thinks I told McComber some deep, dark secret about the business. But I don't know anything. Is it possible he doesn't like the idea of the way you live your life? She just shrugged. Somewhere between an I don't know and I don't care. But she didn't answer. I tried a different tack. Have you thought about just sitting down and talking to him about it? She looked up at the ceiling. You don't just sit and talk to Big Chase, especially when you've fucked up as often as I have. Mary Margaret chimed in. But if you sit down and tell them the truth, won't they forgive you? They're your parents. You are naive. You've never had an addict in your family. Mary Margaret withered a bit. I've taken their belongings and hocked them. I've stolen their credit cards, their cars, in and out of jail, you name it. But your father paid for your last trip to rehab, right? He's made sure you have a roof over your head. And your mother seemed to be very concerned about whoever's threatening you. Sarah laughed sharply, and there was deep sarcasm in her reply. Yeah, she would be. Why can't you sit down and talk to them? I have something both my mother and father want, and they'll do anything to get it. What's that? Before I was born, even before my parents were married, my grandpa Hunter set it up so that if Charmaine, the mother from hell, ever had a child, that child would receive a portion of full-bore stock. Each child Charmaine had would be guaranteed stock up to a total of 33% of the company. That's pretty sharp of the old man, wouldn't you say? I suppose so. The dividends are stashed in a bank someplace. They were supposed to be for my college education, keeping me roped into that damn company. I guess it's enough to keep my parents fighting over me. But your parents divorced, right? How old were you when that happened? I was about ten, and they kept working together until I was almost seventeen. I don't know how anybody put up with it. Everything was shit back then. How's that? She rolled her head around like she was possessed. I knew Mary Margaret and I were in for a story that could have been told in a few sentences, but would be dragged out through two cups of coffee and four cigarettes despite my ban on smoking in the office. It didn't matter. We didn't have any other cases we were working, and the phones stayed mercifully silent as Sarah slowly told the story of her parents and their fight over an Oklahoma oil company. Turns out, before he found himself bleeding to death in a Las Vegas hotel room, Grandpa Hunter was a pretty sharp old cowboy. He may have been a Class A philanderer, outclassing even me, but he wasn't dumb. In a will written while Charmaine was still in college, Charles Hunter was going to provide for his only daughter and any family she might have, and protect the family business. Following Grandpa Hunter's murder, the board pieced out the company held stock between Charmaine, Chase, and when she came along, baby Sarah, until it was fairly divided up between the three of them. 33% apiece for Sarah and Chase, and as the only child and grandchild in the Hunter line, 34% for Charmaine. 
By the time their marriage dissolved, Chase had moved up to chief operating officer, while Charmaine served as CEO. As things got uglier between her parents, Sarah turned to anything she could to drown out the noise, the arguing. By the time she was 17, it exploded. In a boardroom power play, Charmaine was forced to sell her shares to Chase. Neither noticed Sarah was drinking up to a pint of vodka a day and smoking more weed than anyone else at her private school. I can say anything I want about Charmaine, but she's got the same... Sarah jabbed her forefinger stupidly against her temple. Just like Grandpa had. She wasn't going to let Big Chase get to her shares. I guess from the time I was 10 until I was about 15, she transferred stock to me each year on my birthday, into some kind of trust nobody could touch, along with the 33% I already owned. So how many shares was your mother forced to sell to your dad? 10% was all she had left. Her lip curled sadly as she dropped her last cigarette into her coffee cup. With 24% of Charmaine's stock and 33% of the stock I owned, that gave me 57%. Mary Margaret whistled low. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I guess that should be lady and gentlemen. You're looking at the majority owner of full bore drilling. Holy shit. And all those old bastards who sat on the board, they weren't stupid. The first time I went to rehab was my senior year of high school, right in the middle of my parents' battle over the company. While I was there, the board engineered my trust so that neither parent could touch it. And as long as I was using drugs, neither could I. Not the income, not the shares, nothing. When my 30th birthday rolled around in a few years, I was supposed to inherit. Not like those shares are worth anything now, though, thanks to Chase. Sarah lit another cigarette and drew the smoke deep into her lungs. Holy shit. There is one way my parents could gain control of my shares. Let me guess, in the event of your death. She nodded. That's one scenario, but there is another one. That's why Big Chase spends money on me like he does. He's keeping an eye on me, so he says. That's why he brought me to Fawcettville. Turns out Charmaine is too, but she doesn't send the money to my landlord or the bank. She just sends me a big fat check. And lately I've been slapping it into savings. So you've just been playing both ends against the middle this whole time. Just like any other rich kid with divorced parents. There was an angry irony in her voice. But here's the other scenario. If I either fall off the wagon or OD into a fucking coma, I can be declared incapacitated. Then they can both claim they've been my sole caretaker this whole time and start to get access to my shares of the company and that pile of cash stashed someplace in my name. So whoever wins that battle gets control of full bore drilling again. See, Fitz, it's not about Chase and Charmaine taking care of their poor, drug-addicted little girl. It's about full bore. It always has been. Oh, that is so sad. Mary Margaret patted Sarah on the knee, her face full of naive concern. Sarah shot her a disgusted look. It made sense. Both parents wanted me as their bodyguard, not just to keep her alive, but to protect their investment. Knowing their daughter's addiction problems more than likely set up a court battle in the future. But did that decrease my suspect list in Tommy Lynn's murder or increase it? Tony Repetto was probably out. He was pissed Tommy Lynn had deceived him, but he was too sharp to do anything to ruin the business he had at the cat's meow. What about Ed Nash? He was pissed at Tommy Lynn, had just lost his job and had a hair-trigger temper. 
but he'd found another job, his wife said, and after the come-to-Jesus meeting he and I had at the man camp, probably wouldn't visit a strip club anytime soon. I hadn't called the cell phone she gave me yesterday. Maybe I still should, just to plant the seed. The suspect who made the most sense was still McComer. Let me ask you a question. Did Steve McComer know anything about your trust? She drew smoke into her lungs again, shaking her head. I'm not that stupid, Fitz. I would never tell him that. But he did know you were Chase's daughter. She nodded. And he hated it. That's why he beat me that night. He wanted to get information out of me about full bore that he could use in the group's lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it made sense. Chase and Charmaine needed to keep their daughter alive so they could fight over her share later. They wouldn't want her dead. What kind of a sick son of a bitch would do that to their own kid anyway? It had to be McComer. Do you know where Steve McComer is? If you do, you've got to tell me. I have no fucking idea, Fitz. Her tone was bored and her words were slow. I haven't seen that bastard outside of NA meetings and I haven't been to one since this whole mess started. So, who do you think is threatening you? Since Ambrosi is your lawyer and he's hired me to protect you, this is privileged communication. It won't go anywhere. She rolled her eyes again like I was the dumbest person on earth. Don't you think I'd tell you if I knew? How are you being threatened? Phone calls. Notes left on my table at the club. Stuffed under my door at home. Maybe Repetto is back in play as a suspect after all. He would have access to her home address and the dressing room at the club. What did you do with these notes? You still have them? A lot of them. I gave them to Detective Barnes yesterday. Did you tell him about the stock situation? Uh-huh. I nodded in approval. What about the phone calls? They always come as block numbers and the voices sound weird. Like they're electronically altered? Yeah, there's three or four different voices. I think it could be several different people. I used those prepaid phones, so when I started getting threats the other day, I threw the phone away and got another one. So who got your new phone number? That same look crept across her face again. Tony, Charmaine, and Big Chase. <laughs>